that day, it was Easter, and uh, this new church was starting, and so let's just go uh, and check it out, and uh, I'll just warn some of you, they're still here today, all right, Uh, 19 years later, and so it's awesome to see how God has used our church family to touch this community. Last night was incredible. I wish all of you could have been here. We had so many people here, kids everywhere, but it was organized. It was organized chaos. And uh, our, our children's pastor, uh, Matt, just did such an awesome job, he and Aubrey, of, of coordinating everything. It was just incredible, incredible night. And so I just got our Easter weekend going in a great direction. And then for you guys to be here tonight, uh, thanks for being here on uh, Easter Eve just to celebrate Easter services with us. And today's baptism, as Cassie said, is just one of the baptisms that we will be doing this weekend. And then we have more baptisms that we will be doing next weekend already. And so uh, God is just changing lives all over the place. And uh, so thank you again for investing in this church because you get to see uh, what it does. You know, sometimes when you send your money to different places, you can't see what it actually has done. Uh, you're not able to be there or go there or whatever. But here, you, you can actually see it. You can actually be a part uh, of watching uh, lives being changed and transformed. And so, uh, thank you for being a part of that. Well, Easter makes the statement true that God makes the impossible possible, right? I mean, uh, you just can't say impossible for God because he makes the impossible possible. He brings dead things to life. And uh, all of creation, uh, I love springtime because it's just like God saying, okay, you don't believe I can bring dead things to life? Just watch this tree. You know, just watch that bush, just watch your grass, you know, just watch all these things as I bring them back to life and demonstrate my resurrection power through nature itself. And uh, we learn about that around here, if you're new among us, through life groups. Uh, life groups are what uh, might, you might have grown up with Sunday school or heard of Sunday school. Uh, I did. And uh, our version of that is life groups. And so uh, if you'd like to uh, get involved in one, we would love to help you to be able to do that and uh, to help you get included in learning and growing in your faith in God. You know, on Friday... God did something supernatural, so awesome, so special, that it was something that he did for you that no one else has ever done for you before or since. He performed a transaction on your behalf. In other words, what God did through the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection is he paid your bill for you. How many like it when somebody pays your bill for you, right? I mean, it's awesome when that happens. And uh, he, he did that. So my question this evening is, why would you want to pay it yourself? 
You know, hell is paying your own bill. That's really what it is. It's paying for your own sins. And since he gave his life for you, here's what he asks, is that you would give your life for him, that you would give it to him. And, and by doing so, you don't have to join this church to get in on this deal. Uh, if you want in on forgiveness, if you want in on a new start, a new beginning, you don't have to join this church in order to get in on that. And uh, that's worth celebrating tonight that God has given us forgiveness total, uh, paid the bill in full. There's nothing that you have to do to deserve it or to earn it. He gives you what you need instead of what you deserve. And if you're happy and you're glad for that, why don't we just take a few seconds and just express that to God right now. Will you do that? Come on. It's a, he's worthy of our praise, right? He's worthy of it. And so we want to celebrate uh, in a way that, that's fitting for this occasion because there's never been anyone who's done what Jesus has done. And so uh, tonight to get started, uh, I, I just want to ask you a question or maybe answer it for you uh, would be a better way to say it is why resurrection? You know, what's, what's a big deal about Easter? What's a big deal about uh, the resurrection? Well, it just proved Jesus was who he said he was. Because it's one thing to make claims, right? Do you ever grow up around somebody who they claim that their dad could beat up your dad, you know, and uh, you ever have one of those kids, you know, that, that just was braggy? And, uh, you know, not always do they, the, does the braggadocious behavior get backed up. Maybe you, you've seen people that, you know, kind of got a little bit humbled because they were a little too braggy about their lives. But Jesus bragged that if you destroy this temple, I'll raise it again on the third day. And he backed it up. And no other God, no prophet, no one in all of the history of time has ever done that again or before he did it. And so tonight we celebrate that. And so uh, in, in getting ready for a new series, by the way, because tonight's part one of three weeks that we're going to look at uh, how that Jesus came to make your life better, and I think your life will be better with Jesus uh, that, that it just is an inclusion in your life that, that's beyond really my ability to describe uh, this evening. But we're, what we're going to look at for the next three weeks is after the resurrection. I don't know if you've ever wondered, but what happened exactly? And, uh, you know, why are we here 2,000 years later still talking about it? And why are there millions more followers than there ever were before? Why, why does this gospel, this good news, keep spreading? And, and we're going to take a look at that. So if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. 
And we're going to get started there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can look at the screen or look at your notes. And we're going to look at what Luke, uh, who many believe was a physician back in that day, what he documented and what he wrote down. Here's what it says. In my former book, now notice that, uh, I, I wrote something else uh, is what he's saying. And look who he wrote it to. I want you to kind of memorize uh, that name, Theophilus, or you can call him Theo, okay? And uh, I don't think he'll mind. And, and so Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, that's what he began to do, but now it's what it, he continued to do. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering on the cross, he presented him himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Now, uh, just uh, let me stop there because convincing proofs, what, what was that? Well, he would show up unannounced. How many like surprises? You know, they, they would be behind closed doors, locked doors, locked windows, and they'd be saying, what are we going to do next? What should we do? What should be our next move? And all of a sudden, Jesus would be in the room. And it's like, how did you get in here? And I, and I don't know if he walked through the wall. I don't know if he just materialized. Uh, I, I don't know what he did, but he be a, would appear. And, and he would have breakfast with them on occasion. And he'd have lunch or he'd have dinner and he'd he just, on one occasion, he, he was just walking down the road talking to two guys and they were saying, oh yeah, don't you know that, that you know, someone, we thought the Messiah died and, and we, we, you know, we thought he'd rise from the dead, but you know, uh, we don't think that happened and we're not quite sure what's all happened. And then all of a sudden they realized, it's him. And, and then he vanished from them. And he would do this over and over, and, and he did it. Now listen to this. Paul tells us this, that on one occasion, he appeared to 500 at one time. Now that's pretty convincing. And when Paul wrote that, he said he appeared to 500 people at one time, and if you'd like to talk to some of them, you can go to Jerusalem. He wrote this to the people in Corinthians, and he says, hey, you leave Corinth, get on a boat, go to Jerusalem, because a lot of them are still alive. And they'll tell you about the time that he appeared to them, hundreds of people all at once. Now, give me verse four. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So he ate with them, he, he hung out with them, and he did this sometimes with hundreds, sometimes with just a couple of them, and he would do this for 40 days. Now, I don't know, there could be somebody here that you thought, oh, I think he just appeared to a couple crazy women, and... Uh, they got mixed up, went to the wrong grave, and uh, thought Jesus rose from the dead, but he didn't really. So if you heard that, or if you thought it, it wasn't real convincing, Luke tells us uh, it's absolutely convincing. 
Because some of us had breakfast with him, some had lunch, some had dinner, and, and he would pop in the room, then he'd pop back out, and then he'd be on the road, and then he'd vanish, and, and then next thing you know, uh, he was with 500 of us at one time. And we all heard him. So, here's where we're going to go next. We're going to go to the former book, and we're going to see what Luke had to say about that. Luke chapter 1, verse 1 This is his former book. Many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses, he says. Not not hearsay, but eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated. Notice, I'm not just believing this. I've investigated it. I'm glad he did that for me. Because 2,000 years later, you know, I, I can't talk to some of those people who were alive when Jesus came out of the tomb. But he did. See, he, he talked to them and he wrote it down. And here's what he said. He said, I've carefully investigated everything from the beginning. So I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent. There he is again. Theo, right? Theophilus. See, it's the same writer that wrote the book of Acts. So that you may know the what? Certainty of the things you've been taught. In other words, this is not hearsay. This is not a couple crazy women found the wrong tomb. And, and you know, then they start saying Jesus is alive. And everybody, it just kind of went, you know, got on social media. And, you know, everybody started, you know, passing it around, sharing it. No. This is absolute certainty. You see, he conquered death and proved it and punctuated. He was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, he conquered death for himself and for us. And he's provided us, he's provided you the power. Here's where it makes this good because, oh, isn't that great that 2,000 years ago Jesus did that? No, he did it for you. He didn't do it for him. He didn't need to do that. But you needed him to do it. You needed him to die on the cross. You needed him to rise from the dead. And you needed him to fill you tonight with resurrection power. And that's exactly what he wants to do. In John 10.10, which happens to be our theme verse around here, we've talked about this for 19 years in Hendricks County. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. That you might have fullness of life. You see, he holds the keys, Revelation tells us, of death, hell, and the grave, not the devil. See, the devil's come to steal, kill, and to destroy, but he doesn't even have the keys. There's something funny about that, right? He doesn't even have the keys because Jesus has the keys, and he has unlocked death for all of us. God wants to move us from a Friday experience to a resurrection experience. Do you know the power of the resurrection? You see, God wants it to be more than head knowledge. Because there can be people who say, oh, yeah, I believe that in my head. I believe that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. I, I believe those. I, I actually believe the Bible is true. I'm pretty, pretty convinced about that. 
But, but God wants you to go beyond a head knowledge to a living experience with him. A living experience with him. And today, God is inviting some to experience him. See, because sometimes in life, like Cassie said earlier in our prayer time, we, we can think life's over. Have you ever felt that way? I can't imagine anybody feeling more that way than the disciples. For three and a half years, we have followed this guy. We have believed more and more and more. Every year, we followed him. And every year, we would see miracles done. And every year, we would hear incredible teaching like we've never heard before. And now he's gone. You ever had a dream die? Ever had something where you were wishing for it and then it's over? The disciples were that way. Maybe they felt like, you know, we, we could have had a chance to do good in our business, but we've wasted three and a half years now. We've blown it. It may look impossible, but not with resurrection power. Look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 19 says, I pray that you begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. It is that, now notice that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. It's the same power. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you and I. And when that happens, see, you can move from a Good Friday experience to an Easter morning experience. See, I, I believe that Good Friday, we call it Good Friday because it's good that Jesus died on the cross. It's good that he did that. It's good that he paid the penalty for your sin. But if you'll allow me to, I'd like to say Sunday, it gets even gooder right? Is that, is that clear enough? It, it gets even gooder. It, it gets better as we go along in, in journey with him. And that's what this series is all about. Next Sunday and the Sunday after that, it's, it's just how much more God has for each of us, just like he did for those disciples. Don't just take my word for it. Let me read a story of someone from our congregation, Michael Witham. He says, I grew up being forced to go to church. Maybe somebody here was like that. It was a little country, and I won't name the kind of church, and I despised it. It was mostly fire and brimstone, and everyone was going to hell. As soon as I grew up, I was able to avoid churches, and I was just fine with that. When I met my wife and we started dating, later got married, neither one of us was interested in church. But her mom was going to a new church meeting in a movie theater. She started out taking our daughter to church with her and then asking us to come on Mother's Day and Easter. Then it became... I think you guys will like this next service. It's a good series. When we went to these services, it always amazed me that the sermon was, directly, uh, was directed right at me. 
I caught myself looking around in the theater wondering why the pastor was focusing on me when the rest of the people were there too. When I was 26, I tried cocaine for the first time. That was the beginning of the end for me. It eventually evolved into cocaine, crack, methamphetamines. It was consuming my world. Every focus was on my next high. I became a master of lying and deceiving my family and friends. During this time, my mother-in-law was still inviting us to church every so often. We'd go, and it was so unlike any church I had ever been to. Strung out from the night before, they still welcomed us and made us feel like we belonged. In September of 2006, I got into an argument with my wife that ended with her calling the cops on me. The drugs, the lying, the erratic behavior had finally caught up with me. Two days after I was in jail, I'd served, I got served with a protective order prohibiting me from going home. I lost my home, my wife, my kids, all within a matter of days. My life was over, or so I thought. When I was released from jail, I went back to church of my own free will and accord. Something had to change. I sat through the service, and at the end, I followed along with the salvation prayer. I did it, and I invited Jesus into my head. Eventually, I was able to reconcile things with my wife on a temporary basis, All I had to do was go to church on Sunday and then I could do whatever I wanted through the week. I was getting better at hiding and continuing drug use. The arguments didn't stop though and my marriage was still on shaky ground. On January 12, 2007, everything was catching up to me. I saw the pain I was inflicting on my family and friends and I had had enough. So I wrote a note to my wife telling her I loved her and I would see her later, but I had no intention of ever coming back. I thought they would be better off without me. I tried to intentionally overdose that day. I wanted the suffering to stop. My wife knew what I was trying to do and she wouldn't let go of me. She searched for me and finally found me that night and took me home with her. My heart felt like it was going to explode in my chest. The amount of speed that I consumed should have ended my life that night. She called her parents that night who weren't in town and told them what I had done and they took me to their house and held me hostage. They cut their weekend short and rushed home. They all kept watch on me until I was able to enter Teen Challenge about a week and a half later. I was dumbfounded. I thought for sure her dad and mom would kill me after what I had put her and the kids through. I thought they would be disgusted with my actions, but they didn't and they weren't. They showed me love and compassion. They let me know that my life was worth living. On January 22nd, 2007, I entered Teen Challenge, a Christ-based recovery program, not some faceless, anonymous, higher power, but Jesus. While I was in the Bible in recovery, I found my life verse, Isaiah 
41, verse 9. I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant, for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. He... He called me back from the ends of the earth. I was living in darkness, consumed with drugs. For I have chosen you. This part scared me. I didn't know what he could do with me. And it will not throw you away. He didn't let me die that night when I should have. The next verse was my encouragement after him waking me up. It says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. After I found those verses, I realized the mistake I had made back in September. I had invited Jesus into my head that day. When I read what he had written in Isaiah, I realized I was about 18 inches off. I invited Jesus into my heart then and I was truly saved. While in Teen Challenge, it laid an incredible foundation for my recovery and my faith. I have been clean for over 12 years now. For those people who know it's a struggle one day at a time, I have been clean for 4,471 days. I have a beautiful family that I love, a wonderful church family to rely on, and a faith that can move mountains after what he has done for me. I wouldn't be here or the man I am today if not for God's grace. I by no means means earned my salvation. It was truly a gift from God. I also owe thanks to a few people for leading me to Christ, for Pastor Craig, for having the vision of Crossroads Church, welcoming everyone no matter what. I always felt welcome and loved. To my mother-in-law, Barb Cole, for never-ending invitations to church and the prayers for her children's salvation. To my father-in-law, John Cole, who showed me compassion when he probably wanted to kill me for how I treated his daughter and grandchildren to my wife Angie for seeing through all the darkness and seeing the value in my life standing my, by my side through everything we've been through for never giving up on me for loving me like Jesus does God has brought me back from death's door given me life when I needed it most carried me through my tough times in life even though I didn't deserve it and I know I didn't earn it. He carried my burdens and my sin and has forgiven me. Me, a drug addict who deserved nothing but death. If I can be saved, anyone can. Come on and give God a praise for that. You just gotta love that, right? Because Easter is not just an event. 
It's more than an outfit. It's more than eggs. It's more than brunch or dinner or whatever else this weekend that you've got festivities going on. It's a place where God can bring the dead back to life by the power of his spirit. If you feel yourself in a pre-Easter life like the disciples, I'm going to give you three things that you can take with you this evening and apply them into your life because life gets good. That's what this whole series is about. Life gets good, first of all, when you decide to reverse it. When you decide to reverse it from death to life, your story can be reversed today. I know it may seem like you've gone too far, whatever. C.S. Lewis said it like this. I love his quote. Easter is death working backwards. It's death working backwards. It's God turning around. Only Jesus can flip the script of your life. Everything changed for the disciples when Jesus rose from the dead. Don't you know it? It's like, I I thought I was living before, but now I'm really alive. I'm really living now. And you can be changed today. See, I've seen too many life changes for somebody to tell me, I don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. I've got too many witnesses. Not just my own personal life of a resurrected Jesus who lives, who dwells in me by the power of his spirit, but I know too many Michael Withams who have been delivered from drug addiction, alcoholism, and whatever other ism that there is in this world and set free by the power of the living Jesus. That's who he is. Look at John chapter 11. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. So death isn't final. That's good news for those of us who've lost loved ones. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this? He said, Martha. Just put your name in there. See, it's not important that I believe it. It's do you believe it? Do you believe it? And you don't just believe it in your head. You got to go 18 inches deeper, like Michael said. You got to get it in your spirit. You got to get it in your soul. And when you do, life begins to happen. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, I've got good news for you. There's more. There's more to life. And here's the second thing. It's not just decide to reverse it, but when you decide or when you begin the process in the life of Christ. Easter started something in his disciples that continued over days, weeks, months, even years. And here's what I'm asking you to do tonight. is just, just do that. Just make that kind of commitment. See, I believe church Church is not the end thing. I'm not here tonight to get you to join our church, and and that's not what it's about. But, But what it is, is I see church as a catalyst. And I have people tell me this all the time. People will say, well, it just gets my week going in the right direction. It just changes my whole outlook on things. It impacts me. See, it's it's not church, 
It's what God does here that, that has that effect. And, I, and here's what I would love for you to do. I'd love for you to make a commitment tonight like Barb Cole did 19 years ago that started a trickle effect now of three generations in her family in 19 years that have been impacted by this church. I would like for you to give us the rest of this year. Now, I know that's a big ask. That's a big ask to say, you know, give us the rest of the year. But I'll make you a big promise. I believe if you'll join up with a group in this church, and it could be the group starting point, it could be one of our life groups, but if you'll get connected in with other people, the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron and how our lives connect with each other. And let me tell you something, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And if you'll give us the rest this year and you'll, you'll just get around some people like Michael did and thank God for Barb who prayed for him and just kept inviting him and just kept encouraging him and for a wife that continued to believe God for him in, in his life so, so much that he had going. If you'll get that going, here's what I believe. I believe I'll be able to read your story by Christmas. I believe your life will be changed. So I'm asking a lot, but I, I believe we can deliver a lot because it's not about this church. It's about the God of this church. It's about he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And he can make a miracle out of you. Here's the third thing is when you start believing. Life will get good when you start believing because God can take the broken pieces and make something beautiful out of it. You know, I have always in my life, I grew up feeling inferior. Uh, I was just looking at some old photos the other day. And in these old photos, I was about 12 or 13 years old. And uh, my cousin, she was a girl, and we were about the same age, and she towered over me. And I'm like, I forgot how bad that was. Because most everybody did. Almost everybody my age was, it just seemed like they were bigger, they were more mature, they were taller, and whatever. And I just always felt that way and, and, and all. And, and, and now, now it's different. So there's hope for somebody out there, right? You can be a late bloomer, okay? There's still hope. But, but here's the thing. is when God, 19, over, over 19 years ago, said, I want to do something great in Avon, Indiana. I want to do something to reach a community called Avon, Indiana and the surrounding area of the west side of Indianapolis. When God wanted to do that, he said, you know what? Let's get that shy little punk kid that was skinny and shorter than everybody else and let's bring him back to Avon and let him reach this community because nobody will believe that he'd be able to do it. 
And that's just exactly how I feel tonight as I stand here speaking to hundreds of people and then tomorrow. It's not because of me or any greatness of my life. It's because of his greatness in me. And what he's done in me, he can do in you. Your life's not over. It's not over till he says it's over. And he can empower you to do more in your life than you ever dreamed possible. And I'd love to be a part of that. I'd love to see what God could do through you if you just allow him to because I believe he can do some great things. And here's the last thing to write down is when you start living, when you start living, life will get good because God offers life to the full. Living happens when you find your resurrected purpose. You see, there are people who were here last night, and they were serving. And we had, we, we had uh, oh, well over 200 people here and kids just everywhere. And it was, it was just an awesome event. And, and my job, I, I told Matt, our, our kids pastor, you know, I'll, I'll go around and thank people for showing up, you know. Because, I mean, they're giving up their Friday night and, and all, and they're, they're coming out here and hanging out and doing all this work. And, and, and so I, I go around to different ones, and I'm out here by these guys by this hot grill, and, and they're, you know, about to burn their hand off because the flames are shooting up, and, and, and they're flipping burgers. And, and they wouldn't hardly give up the flipper, you know, I, I was like, hey, I'll help out and all. And they, they're kind of taking ownership of that, you know. Like, well, okay, are, are you done now? You know, they want to get back at it. And, and then I go down and talk to people who were watching over some of the smaller kids and people who were setting up tables and different people. And it seemed like people were getting paid to be here. And I always joke with people when people talk about getting paid for working for God. I say, oh, the pay is out of this world. It's out of this world because I believe that they're looking forward to a day when God will say, well done. Well done. And and so I I couldn't hardly encourage anybody because it was like somebody had already been there. And encourage them. And what I'm saying is, is I want that for you. I want you to feel like, it doesn't have to be this church. You, you can go find, there are great churches all around. You, you find another church and serve there, do something else. But, but get a hold of something that's bigger than you. And it'll lift you up into a realm of life that's bigger than you are. A dream that's bigger than you. And as you do that, then God will begin to start a new work in your life. You see, religion communicates something other than what Jesus came to do. I'm not talking about religion tonight. Jesus didn't say, I have come that you might have religion. That's not what he said. He said, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. You see, religion did not change Michael Witham's life. Life changed Michael Witham's life. When God's life became his life, it changed everything. You see, Jesus didn't just come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people back to life. 
And as we adapt his power into our lives, he will build you up into all he wants you to be. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says it like this. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. You see, Jesus didn't rise from the dead so we could come in here tonight and say, yay, Jesus. That's not what he died for. He didn't need us to do that. What he did is he died to close the gap between you and himself. And he is that gap divider. He is that one that comes into the division of, of our lives and brings us closer to him and, and takes you from the life that you're living right now, which may just be existing. You just feel like, I just exist. I, I don't have life to the full. And God has life to the full for you. Let me read another passage. It sounds like Michael Witham wrote this, but this was actually the Apostle Paul. We don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in the Asia province. It was so bad, we didn't even think we were going to make it. Have you ever felt that way? We just thought, I don't even know that I'm going to make it. I don't even think we're going to make it. We felt like we'd been sent to death row. That, that it was over for us. But as it turned out, oh, I'm glad God can turn it around. It was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. Gotta love that line, right? And he did it. Rescued us from certain doom and he'll do it again and again and again and again. Rescue us as many times as we need rescuing. You see, God has rescuing power and he's able to provide it for you. What he did for Michael he can do for you tonight. And here, here's what I think we get caught up in is maybe these people were superheroes. You know, maybe they were kind of like Iron Man or something, you know, and they had this special suit they could wear and different things. But I'm telling you, they were normal people just like us. And Paul said, I had feelings where I thought we weren't going to make it. But God came through. And we turned it over to him. And when we turned it over to him, it all began to turn around. Let me show you a picture of Death Valley. This is one of the driest places in the world. And the reason why it's called Death Valley is because it's dead. Does that make sense? Just, just dead. There's like no life there. And it just has always appeared that way. And people just go there and it, it's just dead. But one time, you can research this, you can Google it, a rain came through like they'd never had before. And after that rain, here's what Death Valley looked like. You see, life had been there all along. It just hadn't been activated yet. And I'm talking to some people maybe here tonight that there's life all around you. 
Resurrection power is in this room. God's ability to turn your life around, to change it, to do dynamic things, things you can't even believe possible, God can do. But he does it as you begin to have faith toward him. I want to pray this verse that I read earlier. And I'm just going to read it right out of my Bible here and, and read it over you as a prayer. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 says, I pray that you will be, begin to understand. If you just, just start tonight. See, you, you don't have to be super Christian. You don't, you don't have to go all, you know, full-blown. If you just begin tonight, if you just begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help, not to put you down. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. If you're going to get mad at somebody, get mad at the right person, all right? God didn't do that stealing, killing, and destroying in your life. If you've had any of that, it came from somewhere else. But His power is to help those who believe in Him. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. I pray that tonight some of you would just begin to believe. Just begin. Just, just get started. Just, just like Michael, just, just, just give it over to God and just say, God, I want to experience you. I don't want to just have it up here. I want to have it in here. And I believe if you'll start that, God will start some amazing things in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for resurrection power. We thank you that the resurrection is more than just a note in history. It is a living experience for us today. God, for those of us that maybe haven't lived each day to the full, maybe, maybe there's some of us that, that uh, we, we believe it in our heart and we've activated it, but not all the way. And there's another step for us. Maybe some of us, we need to get baptized next Sunday. Maybe for some of us, we need to join a life group so we can get around other people. We need to change some of our friendships in our life. Some of us, we just need to get more faithful, more, more dedicated. God, I pray that you just help us to take that next step. If you're here tonight and you say, I want to take my next step, whatever that is for you. I know I want to, and so I'm going to raise my hand in a moment. So if you're here tonight and you feel like you've got a next step, maybe it's something that God's spoken to you before, but you've not done it yet, but you're willing to do it. You, you're just going to activate faith tonight. How many raise a hand with me and say, yes, I, I'm going to take my next step. Whatever it is, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take that next step. Father in heaven, I pray for every person here who needs a next step. God, I know I need a next step. I, I'm always needing a next step with you. So God, I pray that you'll help us to do that this week. 
that we would not be stagnant. We would not be just status quo in our relationship with you. We don't want it to be stale. We want to advance ourselves in all that you have for us. We want to live that life to the full. Maybe others of you are here. And if you were totally honest, you'd have to say, my life more resembles the way Michael felt, where I've, I've had the facts of Jesus in my head. And, and I've known the name of Jesus and I, I maybe even grew up in church and had head knowledge about God. But tonight you realize that's all it's been. That's, that's all you have is a head knowledge when God wants to do something a lot deeper in your life. And if you're here this evening and you say, well, Craig, on this Easter weekend, I, I want to give my life over to God. And I know that sounds scary, but I'm telling you, I've never known anybody that regretted doing this. And if you'll do like Michael did, if you'll move it down from from the head to the heart, if you'll believe in your heart, if you'll confess with your mouth, the Bible says God will begin a transformation in your life. And what he's done for one, he'll do for you. And if you'd like that start tonight, would you just raise your hand right now and say, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm here and I, I'll be honest I, I need him in my life today how many are here just put up right back down alright just pray this prayer with me Crossroads family and let's just uh, believe God for those who are here who maybe need to pray this prayer for themselves just say dear heavenly father thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me to pay for my sin I want to start over so I'm asking you to wash away my past free me of my guilt wash all my sins away from this day forward as much as I know how I commit my life to you thank you for accepting me in Jesus name Amen. Let's celebrate those who made a commitment here tonight.